Welcome to Orthodox Christian Meets World. My name is John Habib, and I'm a Coptic Orthodox Christian whose aim it is to provide people resources to deepen their walk with God and love of His Church. In this podcast, you will hear from my friend Francella Brown, who left a life outside of Orthodoxy and away from God, and then returned to Christ and was eventually baptized in the Coptic Orthodox Church. Here is her story. I came from like a, a, a Christian family by name. Right? My parents grew up in um, as Christian by name. Um, you know, they went to church when they were kids. It was um, common for them in in Jamaica. Um, my dad's a native of Jamaica. My mom's family is Cuban and came over to Jamaica. <clears throat> um, and then, and they're uh, Protestant. And then when they came to Canada, um, and I was born here, I was born there. Um, they, you know, uh, just like you know, tradition, the kids go to Sunday school. The uh, the kids are baptized. I remember us being at um, a Baptist church. My parents weren't always going to church with us, so we had to go to Sunday school. I mean, kids don't like it, period. You know, just like any kids, it doesn't matter. But we had to go to Sunday school. It's something we had to do. We hated it. We dreaded it. Um, we had to get on the bus and go to Sunday school. Um, and they didn't always come with us. They weren't always practicing, but they just knew it was the right thing to do to send your kids. So that's what, that's how that was. But as soon as we got old enough um, and fought enough to put to the point where our parents just like were tired of fighting with you, we stopped going. I remember praying to God and begging him to let them get divorced because I was tired of like the fighting um, and the arguing in the house. It was a very miserable household. It was constant argument. It was constantly divided, you know. Um, our parents would try and get us to be against the other parent kind of thing. It was incredibly unhealthy. Um, I always knew, since I was a kid, I've always known that God is real, that Jesus is real. I've always talked to him and I've always felt his presence um, as a child. So did it make me feel like um, Jesus isn't real, that my parents are getting divorced? No. no. The, the divorce was the best thing that could have happened because we were just I just hated all of the arguing and the fighting and the crying. So our parents split up um, and that's when, yeah, that was the end of my, that was the end of our, um, our Christian um, teaching and learning, I guess. Uh, the, the family got continuously like worse in terms of um, being very broken, uh, very abusive, um, very isolated or uh, like, um, like we're not together, we don't see each other kind of thing, or uh, that often. I have three brothers and two sisters. Um, and so some of us were close and some of us were not that close. The, the, two, the two older brothers, we don't have relationship. Um, uh, one lives in the States and I'd only actually met him once because he has a different dad. And um, the, other, the other older brother, the second oldest brother, is completely estranged from the family. We haven't seen him for years. Um, and he's always been that person in the family who just never got along with anybody. So they, they have no idea. Um, my sister is, um, she is a Christian. She's a Protestant Christian and, um, she's totally fine with it. She sees, she sees the fruit in me. So, um, she, uh, you know, she doesn't know anything about orthodoxy, but she knows who I am, and I represent orthodoxy to her, and um, she sees that it's, it's, you know, that's real. Now I walk with God is very real. Um, 
my uh, younger brother, eh, we haven't really talked about it in terms of orthodoxy. We just recently got reconnected with each other after quite a few years, thank God, last year. Um, we got reconnected. So uh, he just knows Christian. He doesn't know the difference right now between like Protestant and Orthodox and stuff like that. So we haven't gotten into that conversation. Um, my younger sister, who is not with God, she and I also just got very recently reconnected. And I mean, how do you reach somebody first without loving, showing them love first? Um, a lot of times people, they do the opposite. They're like, I want to change you before I love you. And, and, and like, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, I like that quote. Yeah, you go ahead and <laughs> do it. Did you get that from somewhere? You, yeah, or somebody that a told me. Original? No, that's not a Freddie original. Somebody told me that, especially about the youth, and it's very true. How do you like to be referred to? So I, oh, uh, you know, pronounce your pronounce your first name. Francella. Francella. Yeah. Do you mind being referred to as Franny or no. Fran? Or what's your what are the what is your? I genuinely have no preference. I when it comes to yeah. like m me and friends, people are very close. Like in this situation, Franny is it's such a it's such a term of endearment because it's it's what I grew up with. Um, I like to introduce myself um, to others in the Coptic Church as Potini because I'm so proud of my baptism name um, and I love the Samaritan woman. I love her and I prayed about the name and the Lord sent me the name and so I it, it represents transformation and in the Coptic Church that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with a, a, a new person. You're dealing with a new man. So that's why I introduced myself as that. What, if, what else about the story touches you? About um, Samaritan woman? Yes. It's my story. So she's she um, was always looking for love. She's not a bad person. Um, no one is. They're, everyone's looking in the wrong places ultimately for the same thing. Um, and she went from um, person to person, like as in man to man to man, looking for what cannot be... Um, fulfilled in her and satisfied with her by anyone but God. So, um, and when she, it was very significant that the Lord said, you have had five husbands and the one whom you have now is not even your husband. Six, and six is an incomplete number. And then she meets the seventh one, Jesus, by the well, and he becomes her everything. And seven is the number of completion in the Bible. So, and, and then that was it. She, she, her search was done. She stopped searching and started to tell everybody, tell the world um, about who this is and the fact that she, she went back to the people who condemned her in her own society. And she said, um, come and see the man who told me everything I have ever done. In other words, um, and then she said, could he be the Messiah? And the fact that they're saying, oh, he knows everything you did and he still accepts you because we know everything you did and we don't accept you. Um, and it goes to show how much she was redeemed and that the Lord did not cast her away, but he redeemed her. So uh, for for me growing up, I the family left God. I, I left God as well. And the family is very broken. I became very broken. We're all distant. We don't have healthy relationships with each other or a relationship at all with each other. And um, that affects every single person. Um, in the family in some way, shape, or form. Um, our childhood, uh, I was alone a lot, um, either whether I was just living with my dad or living by myself, so I was alone and just trying to do life by myself. And I could write, I could see that my life was not, I could see that my life was not successful because I have had friends around me whose families were together, um, not perfect, certainly not perfect, but they had like strong family units. My friends were going to school. They were doing everything kind of, yeah, like 
like step one, step two, step three, going to school, going to university, graduating, um, getting a job, meeting a significant other, you know, getting engaged, getting married and having kids, buying a house and stuff like that. Um, and everyone seemed to be progressive, progressing in this successful line of, of, of ways of doing it. I was not, I was the complete opposite. I was, um, not in school. I was, you know, working retail and part-time jobs. I was living in my friend's basement apartment, um, because I just couldn't get along with my father. Um, because we were butting heads so much because we were so much alike and we just didn't know how to communicate with each other. The family had no idea how to be healthy. Um, and you try and fill these voids of, um, of love that your family isn't fulfilling by trying to find new family. Um, that's very normal for people. So you go to where there is acceptance and love, even if it's not healthy. And that's what I did. Um, and I, I filled that through unhealthy friendships, um, um, with people who, you know, we, we drank, we partied, we, you know, experimented with, yeah, I didn't, as in a heavy drug user, I used like, I, I, I think I did like marijuana twice or something like that, but it's lots of drinking, um, constantly going out to clubs all the time. Um, and, and then I also was seeking, um, I was also seeking love from relationships with men who quite frankly didn't care about me. And in fact, my mind, I knew they didn't, but I would try and convince myself that no, 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 I can get what my friends have, which is love. Um, but because I didn't care about myself, <laughs> that chose that, that reflected the quality of, of, of relationships that I was going towards. Um, and they could see that I didn't care about myself. So, um, they used me and I tried to pretend that I wasn't being used, but deep down inside I knew it. Um, I remember one time I hit like a rock bottom and I was just sitting on my couch, uh, with my, uh, my best friend, Michelle. And I was like, I'm worth nothing. I said, I'm so worthless and I would never, I will never have love. And I always promised myself that I wouldn't be like my mom who was doing the exact same thing, who constantly had, um, men coming in and out of her lives constantly, um, searching for love searching for completion and when that one person doesn't do it let's try this person this one doesn't do it let's try this person and I promised I was, I was I was like I would never be like her and I ended up being exactly like her without me even noticing and um, that's what happens you end up taking after the people who are your your influence whether you want them to be your influence or not um, and I told Michelle my best friend Michelle's like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter I'll just let people use me. Um, I, I, I'm garbage, you know, like I'll live, I'll, I'll live a reckless lifestyle. It doesn't, um, Annie, why should I, why, why should I even attempt to change and have anything good? I'll never have anything good in my life. Um, and basically I knew that I was like, either I'm going to live this lifestyle and find happiness along the way or die trying, but whichever one comes first, I didn't care. At that point in time, there was no value for life because there was no, there was, there was, it wasn't life as far as I'm concerned. It was just surviving. And during all this time, where was God in your mind? Um, always in, in the background. Um, or I would just like, like kind of suppress him, kind of like quench the spirit, if you will. Um, I knew he was there. There were times, there were long stretches of times for 
you know, like maybe a year or two where I would just, I would tune out his voice and then you get sad and you start to think and, and you realize, you know, you know, God is here, but why would he, why would he care about me? Um, so then you just put him, put him away because you're thinking, why would he have anything to do with me? Um, if, if a lot of times the way we feel about ourselves, if we don't know God properly, if we don't know God's word, if we don't know who he is, um, from the teachings of the fathers, um, that date back to the apostles of who God is, if we don't know the truth, then we take what we feel about ourselves and we project that on to the way onto God. And we say, that must be how he feels about me. Um, or if we, or, or if we have a bad relationship with a, a, a parental figure and, and we're thinking, and God is a parent, then, then the way I, my relationship with this parental figure must be the way my relationship with God is going to be. And then we end up shutting the door. So I, I figured God wouldn't love me because I don't love me. Um, I didn't feel my family really loved me. So why would I, why, although I know he was there, I always knew he was there. Why would I go to him? And then, um, what would I even say? you know and then you feel a lot of shame for the way you're living your life and to stand in front of of god you know that's it's 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 shameful you can't even lift up your head you can't walk into a church it's so so i would just push him into the background and suppress suppress any idea of of coming back to god when you hit rock bottom how old were you um i was 30 30 years old, and, um... Where were you career-wise, work-wise? Um, career-wise, I was working with the government. Um, I was, uh, um, slowly, um, advancing in, in my department. I was doing well. Um, but I was also, like, miserable inside, but I was doing well in, in work. Um... And what happened after you I turned on my 30th birthday or coming up to my 30th birthday. Um, I, I was thinking, I just wanted to get as far away from my life as possible. So, um, I was thinking, what can I do? Let me do something epic. 30 is a milestone. Um, I think it's also, I was unhappy with myself because I was like, I, I don't have all the things that my friends have by the time they're 30. So let me do something big to kind of overshadow the fact that I am not anywhere near where I feel I should be. I don't, I'm not, I don't feel I'm, I'm successful in life in terms of like marriage, kids and, and stuff like that. So my friend had just come back from her honeymoon with her husband. Um, and they went on a European tour and she was telling me some of the countries that she really liked. And for whatever reason, when she said Paris, she was just like, it's just very, you know, like very pretty and it's a very romantic kind of a place and the atmosphere and everything. And for whatever reason, that one stuck. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm going. And I'd only been to Europe once before. That was the year before. It was with a friend. We went to Italy and we were on a tour, so a guided tour. So we didn't have to do anything. We didn't have to think. We just got on the bus and went. So I'm doing something big now, going to um, a continent by myself that I, I, you know, only went to once before with a friend, going to a country I never spoke, never been to. And then I only took French up until grade nine. But I just wanted to do something 
big. I just wanted to do something big and subconsciously I think I also just wanted to get as far away from my life as possible. And it was only an eight day trip and I was like, I'm going there for my 30th birthday. Um, by yourself? By myself. Um, so I got there and I was scared out of my mind. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't plan anything. I didn't, I had no clue what I was doing. I didn't even know, other than Eiffel Tower, I had no clue what Paris included. <laughs> I didn't know homework. And I got to my hotel and I was thinking to myself, I'm just going to stay here for eight days. I cannot go out there. I have no clue um, why I'm here. Um, but every day I would start walking around the city. I would take a map and I would just venture a little bit further past my um, hotel. And I would just get more courageous because I was like, okay, I did it yesterday. Go a little bit further. Go a little bit further. And before you knew it, I ended up really just walking around the entire city for eight days. When I was wandering around, um, I came uh, into a really beautiful old kind of Gothic-style church. And um, being in the church reminded me of God. Being outside of the church, yeah, you're not around anything. You can, you're, it's easy to, you know, ignore God or pretend he's not there. But being in the church... And having a relationship with him at one point in time before when I was younger, I couldn't help but could just come face to face with him. Um, and I remember praying, Lord, I'm, I'm in your house and I still feel like this is just a building. But it's not a building. This is your house. Let me feel your presence. Please let me feel your presence. And I did. And I was so overcome by it. Um, I just ended up sitting down right where I was standing and just started to cry and the tears just kept flowing and flowing. It was a very cleansing, very like I'm, I'm done running kind of like uh, a cry. And there was a gentleman who was like kind of sweeping the floor. You could tell he was like a caretaker of the church. And he was trying to talk to me, asking me if I'm okay, but he was speaking in French. So I really couldn't fully understand. I can tell he was concerned. I couldn't understand what he was saying. Um, and then he pointed to his like watch and then he pointed to the door and he said Dimash and then he kept doing this like like and like waving his hand like come back. So um, after I had left and I just prayed and I was like, Lord God, just change my life. Just I'm tired of I'm tired of being who I am. And I went back through the door that he was pointing to when I was leaving and I looked back at the door and there was a, a schedule for mass and I'd never been to a mass before. It was a Catholic church. Um, but I, I understood enough that Dimash meant Sunday and um, it gave the time for mass. And I said, I had no intention of doing this, but I'm going to come back here for, for mass on Sunday while I'm on my vacation in France. This is the craziest thing, but I feel like I have to. Um, and walking around the city and having that kind of open up in me, not audibly, but almost like a voice in your head or a thought in your head that's not yours and in your heart like the Lord was saying are you done running away from me are you are you ready to talk to me now and because I'm in a city by myself that's completely foreign to me and I don't speak the language and I don't have any people with me to talk to kind of drown out God's voice and I'm just walking around essentially in silence that was why I was able to hear him um and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready to come back to you. I can't do this anymore. And I remember him asking a question. What will you, like, what are you willing to do in order for your life to change? And I remember saying anything. And I just heard this one word over and over again, just obey, obey, obey. When I tell you to do something, just do it. Obey. I will change everything. And at that time, I wasn't 
that familiar with my Bible, Yanni. So understanding, like knowing, like obedience and stuff like that being a very um, significant part of, of um, being a Christian, I didn't know that. So I knew that this was the Holy Spirit telling me because it later on got confirmed. Um, and the whole the whole trip ended up being me walking around the city, just talking to God, just confessing everything to Him, pouring everything out to Him, catching up with Him, kind of, if you will. Um, crying and, 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 and feeling joy and not wanting to go back because I finally felt like, you know, um, but he was like, just obey and everything will change. I went back home. My friends noticed that I seemed different, but I didn't tell them about this encounter that I had. Um, and I went back to life as usual. Um, uh, the music is the same, the, the, um, uh, you know, television and movies are the same. The environment is the same. Media is the same. Friends are the same. Still, um, a, a relationship that I was in that was not um, um, good. It was not appropriate. Um, but I was almost like I was living this double life because I would be Fran, who, you know, like in the daytime, Fran with, with everybody. And then I'd come home and then I'd sit and I would pray and I would be this other other person in an and because of sitting and praying, God would put something in me, a desire in me to change the other stuff one by one. Um, the first thing he said was, get a Bible. <laughs> and, and as kids, we, you know, had like small little New Testaments or whatever. I found an old little New Testament um, that was in a box with a whole bunch of other books. And I would read it. Um, and the first one that I read, the first book that I read was the gospel of John. And it was, um, it was, it was, it was my love letter, if you will, from Jesus to me. And I just kept reading it and reading it and just kept falling in love, in love, in love with who he was. And I just kept feeling so much love come out of it. Um, then, um, not by coincidence, is there a series of events I ended up meeting, um, this girl who worked in the same company as me, same floor, different department. She was in the call center. And she and I were, uh, we'd never met before. I'd never seen her before. Although she had been there for years and I had been there for years in the other department. Um, and we ended up doing a training session together because we were both were asked to, to, um, to do training. And she asked me if I wanted to ride home after training one day. And I said, sure. And I got into the car and I saw that she had like a stack of Bibles <laughs> in her car. And I was like, are you a Christian? And she said, yeah, are you? And I was like, I think so. And, and she ended up taking me to um, a Christian store and getting me like my first Bible. And we would drive to and from work together. And she would teach me about the, the, the word. She would teach me about um, everything that, everything that I asked, she would have an answer for me that was from scripture. And uh, she taught me how much Jesus loves me. And it would just blow my mind the things that she would say all the time. She was very well versed in God's um, in God's word, and then more Christians started coming out of the woodwork at, um, at 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 work. People who I didn't know were Christians suddenly we all just kind of started to, like discovering each other. We ended up um, we started uh, like a Bible study, like a small one, about like four or five people max, kind of hidden at lunch, and it ended up growing to about over twenty something people at lunch almost every day. Why hidden? Uh, because we were just, this. we don't, 
we don't share our faith. You know, it's an, there was only one guy who was very open about him being a Christian at work. Is that and, how it is in Canada? Like, it, you know, in the South, it's common mm-hmm. in, in the United States to, you know, see yeah. people clearly they're Christian. They'll make it clear yeah, in yeah, various ways. Yeah. What's it like in Canada? In Canada, um, it's not like there is like open persecution, um, but you don't want to offend anyone. So, um, especially say, for instance, in a government environment, um, you're not, you're, you're not allowed to preach, um, any kind of uh, religious belief. Um, you're not allowed to use computers or anything like that, or any kind of work stuff, um, to generate any sort of like, you know, like tracks or, or like, um, uh, religious, uh, paper or paraphernalia. Um, and so, you, you don't speak about your religion. That's not something that you discuss in the work environment. Everyone in the work environment is here for one reason. It's because we all belong to this company. Um, you know, talk about it. Um, what about outside of work? What are, are Canadians generally expressive of their religious affiliation? Or do they also... Um, more, we're, yeah, outside of work, we're more courageous to do so. Um, because we're, you know... Um, not like I said, there's no like open persecution or whatever. Um, but, um, would you say there's a lot of Christians in Canada? I'd say a lot by name, but not necessarily by practice. I'd say just because it was their parents or their grandparents' religion, and so they grew up with, yeah, we were christian kind of like with me like you grew up you know going to sunday school as a kid but it's not something that you stick with your school isn't a religious school you go to a, a public school um they have catholic schools but for the most part people go to public schools and um you fall into your environment your environment is like whatever the norm is whatever is acceptable amongst all people that's what you um that becomes your religion if you will so whatever you do at home, you do at home. If you're, if, if you're like Canadian, um, and you're, 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 you're Canadian that goes back a couple of generations, you're probably least likely to be Christian. Um, I think you're more likely to be Christian if your parents or at least your grandparents came from a different country and brought it over. Um, and so, yeah, we, we you know, we're not going to tell everybody that we're doing this, but God had different plans. And, um, and people found out and people are like, we want to know what this is about. We want to know what this is about. And they would come into the Bible study people that we couldn't, we never have guessed would walk through the door every day. Somebody shocking would walk through the door. And then what happened to you after attending those Bible studies? How long did you attend them? Um, gosh, we had it going on for about a good year straight. Uh, in the, um, uh, in the office. And I was also... Also, um, the Lord very, very clearly led me to, I was praying, the, the next thing the Lord said was, you need a church. Um, so it was one thing after another. It was, um, get, get, get a Bible, start this Bible study. You need to have a, 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 these were just things that I would just sit with God at night and I just felt compelled. I need to be a part of a church. I need to be a part of a congregation. And the churches that I knew growing up in my town, because I had been there since I was six years old, um, I was just like, yeah, that's the one I used to go to as a kid, but I don't think that's it. That one there, Catholic Church, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. And instead of just walking in, I would just sit and pray and say, Lord, lead me to one. And he led me to 
um, uh, a Pentecostal church in my town that I didn't even know existed. It was on the, the edge of, uh, it was on the border of, of um, my town, uh, almost into the next town. So I'd never passed by it before. I had no idea it was there. Um, the pastor was connected to my aunt, um, who was a very strong Christian, um, and I ended up meeting him um, in a town an hour and a half away from where I lived at her funeral when she passed away. And then when I approached him and said to him, hi, how are you? And he said, yeah, uh, we have our own church in a town called Pickering. And I said, that's where I live. But I was meeting him in an hour in a, in a town hour and a half away at my aunt's funeral where she lived and where she died. So it was, he invited me, please come. And they ended up being an incredible impact on my life. Um, because the Protestant church doesn't have the, um, does not have the, the, um, all the, the sacraments and all the riches of the church that God left us, their main um, uh, source of knowledge of God is the Bible. That is their everything. Um, and so I learned the, the, I learned the scriptures um, through Bible study at that church. Um, I learned to pray the scriptures. I would take the words in scripture and pray them back to God. Say, God, this is your promise. This is what you said. I believe in you. I trust in you that these are the words that you said. Um, I would take the Psalms and pray them back. I would read, reading, reading the scriptures helped me learn how to pray and know what words to say. I wouldn't, I would never be at a loss for words because I would take what God's word was and I would pray that back. Um, and so my prayer life was very strong. Um, and I was just filled and I was just very, very happy. For, and so this was one year after I came back from Paris. Um, and then I felt so full that it was just kind of overflowing. And I was like, okay, who else now can I tell about, tell Jesus, tell about Jesus? Who else can I tell? Everyone around me I've told. I told my friends. I told my coworkers. Um, I've told uh, uh, these people, whoever it is that I'm with, I talked to them. Um, and I wanted now to tell people... Um, I think, I believe God put it in me to tell people who were like the most destitute, the, the quote unquote, least of the least of people. Um, and so on Friday nights and Saturday nights and Sunday evenings, I would get on the train because I lived in like in a, sub, a suburb area and I would head downtown and I would just start walking the streets looking for people who were alone. I couldn't help it. it. I didn't tell people I was doing this because I was like, people might think I'm crazy. The church that I went to, there wasn't outreach. It was very like in and take care of your congregation, but there wasn't outreach. There wasn't preaching and stuff like that. Um, but I was so moved by it. And I would walk around and I would find people who were homeless on the streets. Um, there are people like that in Toronto. And I just had to talk to them. I just had to um, shake their hands and um, ask them their names. Um, let them know that you have an identity. People walk past you, and I used to do this as well. Um, walk past you and pretend you're not there because they either, either, they, you know, they're like, you're a disgrace to society. But I think the majority of the reason why people pretend they're not there is because they feel helpless. And they feel hopeless, like helpless. Like, what can I do for this person? This person's case is so destitute. Like, what can I do? And so it's better, like, out of sight, out of mind. Because you're, you probably genuinely want to help, but you're like, how? I have no idea. The problem is so big. And that's what I would do. I would walk past homeless people all the time, and they would ask for money, and I would just pretend you're not there because it's like I have no idea how to help you. 
um, and you always think to yourself, I don't have money. And, and you have to realize that like a lot of times homeless people might ask for that, but they're actually asking for something else. And at the end of the day, people are always asking for something else. Um, but there's a means to get to that. And so I would walk and I would ask people their name. I would shake their hand. I would, um, I would just talk to them and ask them, can I buy you lunch? Um, and sit with them. And um, either we would go to like a Tim Hortons. For the most part, usually I would say, can I buy you something? They'll say, yes, go ahead and bring it back because they don't want to lose their spot because they're panhandling. And um, we would just talk. And I would just assure them that you are loved, that you are not forgotten, that hundreds of people a day pass by you and ignore you. But God God knows exactly who you are. He knows the number of hairs that are on your head and that number changes constantly. He will not let, you know, two sparrows fall without knowing how much more does he love you? You're his child. You're made in his image. Um, and people really needed to hear that. And they believed it. They wanted to, they wanted to hear all of this. Um, so the food or giving like $5 was a means to get to that. And I couldn't help but do it. Um, there was one day where um, my friend was having a birthday party at a, uh, a restaurant downtown. And so I made sure I got off of the train several stops beforehand so that I could walk to the restaurant all the way, look for people. And there was this one gentleman who was lying um, across the, the sidewalk. Like people had to walk around him and he was completely passed out. He had a bottle of, of an empty bottle of wine next to him. He had completely drunk, just lying across the the street as if that was his bed completely passed out and the lord of course was like go help him and it was so overwhelming like this person like at least the others i could talk to them this one i was like i can't i don't even like what can i even say to you and it was near nathan phillips square which is a a, a place right in the center of toronto where city hall is and they do ice skating in the um in the um, kind of like Rockefeller Center, if you will, they do ice uh, skating in the, in the winter, or they have like nice like carnivals and events and concerts and stuff like that in the summertime. And I sat down on one of the concrete benches. It was a very windy night. It was an awesome summer night. It was very, very windy. Um, and I sat down and I looked at this man and I was like, Lord, it's too much. It's too much. Like, I'm one person. I don't have anyone to do this with. I feel like I'm not even making a dent yet. Like, so I meet about four or five people in a night and I buy them dinner once and I talk to them. Like, like what kind of change is that going to make in their lives? I'm not doing, I'm not making any kind of a change. My, my heart and my desire to do change is bigger than my capacity. Um, and I said, I'm asking you something big tonight. I'm asking you please for three things, clothe everybody tonight please feed every single person tonight. I'm not going to make it to every person in the city. Here I am thinking as if I'm the only person born around the city doing this, but I did feel alone because I didn't have anyone doing this with me. I said, feed everybody, clothe everybody and send me some help. Like I, I can't do this alone and I can't fight the desire to do it. I, 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 I give in, I go, I do this. Um, uh, but I can't do it alone. I'm not making any kind of a dent. As soon as I said, amen, like I said, it was a windy night, but as soon as I said, amen, this gust of wind just, it nearly lifted me off of, off of the concrete and, and just blew. And I nearly fell off. And I took that as him saying, I heard you. I got up and I went and I woke up the gentleman. I asked him if I can buy him something to eat. And 
talk with him a little bit before I went to the birthday party. Um, and all other things um, fell into place. So I found a church. I ended that relationship with that last guy. He was the last guy that I was ever um, in a relationship with. Hola, it's been seven years. There's been no one since him. Um, and um, there were some things happening in my prayer life when I would sit and spend time with the Lord. There were three things happening that were not common to the Bible study that I had at work or um, common to what was happening at church. Um, one of the things is when I was sitting and reading my Bible, I would feel the need to take like a towel or a scarf or a sheet and cover my head because I felt God's presence was so strong and I felt like I need something to cover me, like to just, I need there to be something to cover me to show um, that I am just, I'm in front of you. Who am I? I'm nothing. I'm so small. And so I would do Did that. Did you get that from somewhere? Did you read that somewhere? I felt, I felt the desire to do that. And I knew there was a scripture in, um, I believe it's in, I think it's in Corinthians, um, that says um, a woman's hair is her glory. And so she should not prophesy other than, um, she should not prophesy without her head covered. But other than that, no, it was just something I felt the need to do. They didn't, they didn't do that in my church or anything like that. But I felt his presence so holy that I couldn't not do it. Um, there was another thing that I started to do and I would sit and I would read the Psalms. I was like, these are songs. These are not like poems that are supposed to be spoken. So I would start to try and put a tune to the Psalms. I would just try and make up a tune. I felt they needed to be sung, Yanni, not spoken. Um, so I would just make up a tune. It probably sounded horrible, but it felt good to do that. And then when I would be on my knees and I'd be praying, um, I would bow down um, and put my forehead to the ground and just in reverence of God, just as get as low as I could before him um, and put my forehead to the ground. Um, I remember asking some of the people at my Bible study, some of the people at my church, do you do this? And they're like, no, that's not something that we feel driven to do. But I remember one guy said, sounds like the Holy Spirit is just leading you to be, you know, leading you in, in worship. So go ahead and do it. Like, it, it doesn't sound like you're doing anything that's offensive. It sounds like you're honoring God and you're, it's a part of your worship. Um, so, Yanni, don't ignore it. Go ahead and do it. Don't feel that it's, it's, it's wrong or weird. Um, and so this is how my, this, this is what my, my Christian life was. I would take retreats um, with the Lord. I would take a week off from work and I would go somewhere it was always better if I could travel at least several hours away and get into a, an environment by myself and just sit and be with him for a week and, and, and pray and fast. Um, now at one point in time, me and my friend, Michelle, her husband, um, uh, another group uh, of friends that were like a family, we all wanted to do a camping trip and, um, we were planning on camping. Um, around that time, I kept hearing the Lord say, Daniel, 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 all the time, the name Daniel. And I thought he was, the Lord was leading me to read the book of Daniel. I want you to be in the book of Daniel because it would happen quite a bit where I would just feel like I was being led to read something and I would, I would search through my Bible and I'd be like, that's the answer right there. Thank you, Father. Though I kept hearing Daniel and kept seeing the name Daniel everywhere, all of a sudden, out of the blue, I didn't even know anybody named Daniel. I didn't feel compelled to open the book. And I was like, Father, what is this? Because I don't feel compelled to open the book and read it. And a couple of times I opened the book and read it, and I couldn't even get past the, past the first chapter. And that had never happened before where I felt God was leading me to read a book. 
Um, and so I knew it wasn't the book. As and I still didn't know what it was. As I'm planning this um, trip with um, my friends, I go to message my friend Dennis, who is coming on the trip with us, and ask him, what days do you think work? I'm going through looking for Dennis, didn't even realize what I did. I had messaged somebody named Daniel in my phone. I forgot this person's name was in my phone. I met him once before. It was two years prior to. We'd only talked to each other once. It was two years prior prior to me becoming a Christian. But I never remembered to take his number out of my phone. And I never accidentally messaged him. I completely forgot this guy existed. But Daniel, Daniel, Daniel on the mind. I go to message Dennis. And I said, Dennis, what do you think of these days for camping? And I got a response back on my text message that said, Daniel, saying, who is this? And I was like, oh, darn. <laughs> so I just wrote, sorry, wrong number. I guess he kept my name in his phone because he wrote back again. He said, Francella, is this you? <laughs> and I was like, darn it. So I said, yeah, I'm sorry. I messaged you by accident. He's like, do you remember me? And I was like, yeah, I remember you. So it's been a year, right? And he said, no, it's been two years. Oh, wow. How are you? And we just texted back and forth. He was so like happy. And as we're texting back and forth, he says, we should meet up by the, he was, he was just a very nice, happy guy. So he's like, we should meet up by, um, by like the end of summer. And I heard the Lord say right away. Um, and I was like, oh, this is going to be so awkward. So I wrote, how about this week? <laughs> and I was like, pray, pray to the Lord that this guy doesn't think that I'm asking him out. I genuinely am not. But I wonder if this is the Daniel that he was talking about. <clears throat> so we said, yeah, sure. How about this weekend? We meet up at, um, at uh, Nathan Phillips, sorry, at, at um, uh, the harbor front downtown. So I said, okay, I'm thinking... Yanni, maybe God wants me to talk to him about, about Jesus Christ. Maybe he wants me to talk to him about just to preach to him or to minister to him. And I'm obedient. I will do that. Um, so I had like a whole bunch of people praying for me. And I was like, pray. Like, I really feel that the Lord is like telling me to talk to this guy. And maybe he needs to hear something from God or maybe he's far away from God. So I meet up with Daniel. We're sitting and we're having small talk. And I just have no time for the small talk. I'm like, let's just get down to business. And so after we talked about a couple of things that we had done in the past and kind of thing. And I was like, you know, my life has changed. Like a year ago, I met God and I'm a very different person than who, you know, you met two years ago. Um, and I was like, you know, I went to Paris and I heard God's voice and, um, he has been changing my life and I have this incredible relationship with him. Um, and I was like, I don't know, like if you've ever considered like talking to God, do you like, do you, do you know who Jesus Christ is? Do you know that he loves you, that he died for you? He's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I was like, well, what kind of Christian? And he said, I'm Coptic Orthodox. And I said, first of all, what's Coptic and what's Orthodox? I had no idea. Um, was this person Egyptian? He was Egyptian, Daniel Doss. And um, he, I'm sure he told me that on our date before, but because I was so not interested, I didn't remember hardly anything that he said. I just couldn't wait to get out of there and, and just say that was a waste of a day. Um, and so he's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm Coptic Orthodox. And when he said that, I'm thinking, yeah, but do you have a relationship with Jesus? Because that's how Protestants think. Protestants think that people who are Orthodox or Catholic don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't have that charismatic personal relationship. So that was that was in my mentality. That was how I was taught to think about Catholics. I'd never heard of Orthodox, but I was like, maybe you're, you know, that's the same kind of a thing. 
I was like, do you have a relationship? And she's like, yeah. And it's like, so you know Christianity? He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, I have, um, um, I just started going to this uh, new parish called St. Maurice and St. Farina. Um, we have an incredible priest. His name is, you know, Father Pashoy. And um, yeah, like it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of outreach and stuff like that, and ministering and preaching to people and everything. And I was like, hmm, why am I here then? So I was like, well, would you ever like to come um, to my uh, church, um, like for, you know, like come on a Sunday kind of thing? And he's like, I could. Would you ever like to come to my church? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm happy where I am. And he was happy where he was. And the conversation just kind of stopped. And I was like, maybe I just heard God wrong. So I realized this man already knows Christ. He's a Christian. This conversation is done. He just kind of started to wrap things up. Um, and then he was trying to say, do you want to ever like hang out with me and my friends? And I was like, I'm okay. You know, I'm busy that night. I'm busy that night. And so finally it was almost like in a last attempt. He was like, well, if you ever want to join me and my friends, we, we do this thing on Friday night. I didn't tell him about me going downtown and serving and, and like serving the poor and talking to the poor. And tell, I didn't tell him that. I told him I have a strong relationship with Jesus Christ and I love my church. Um, he said, well, if you ever want to join us on a Friday night, um, me and my friends get together and, um, you know, we just started this really cool uh, service where we go around to the homeless downtown in Toronto and we bring them sandwiches and bottles of water and maybe blankets and we just sit and we pray with them and we talk to them. And my jaw dropped. And I was like, are you serious? You guys do that? He said, yeah. Would you be interested? I was like, yes, you have no idea. And I said, where do you meet? I'm there. I'm there. I couldn't believe it. I was like, God just answered my prayer. I said, where do you meet? He said, Nathan Phillips Square. And that was where I said the prayer. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't even tell him. I was in so much in shock. I don't even think I told him that night that that was something that I was doing by myself, that I sat at Nathan Phillips Square, that I prayed to God and asked for help. I was in so much shock that I couldn't, I, all I could say was, yes, I'll be there. I'll be there. After that, it was Fridays with this group of Egyptian people who were the most beautiful human beings I'd ever met. They had such passion and love for God, and they were so loving and open to me and welcoming to me, and I wasn't expecting that. Like, I wasn't expecting that kind of, of an embrace. I don't think I've experienced that really ever. Um, and I would meet, I met Nyani, the Coptic church, because the church is the body. The church is the body. God, like the Holy Spirit lives within us. Yeah, and we gather together in a beautiful building where the altar is, but the church is the body and the church is all around. And I met the Coptic church, not in the church building, but in the middle of Toronto. Um, and, and they showed me, you know, what Coptic Orthodoxy was. They showed me the love of Christ. They loved me. And I was, I just, I was so fulfilled. I couldn't wait every Friday. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to meet up with these guys. We went around, we prayed with people, we talked to people, we brought them food, we brought them water. Somebody's mom would make sandwiches for us. And we had this incredible fellowship. I invited a whole bunch of my friends who were Christian, who weren't Christian from work, uh, from my other church. And we would gather together and we would do, you have this mixture of like the people from the Protestant church, people who like weren't practicing, people who um, were from the Orthodox church. We'd get together, we'd pray together and we'd go out and we were um, serving the homeless on Friday nights continuously. Um, and I was attending my church on Sunday and we had my Bible study and we had our small groups and our worship. And I was so full. I was so full. Um, and then uh, 
Daniel invited me to come to a young adults meeting, um, he called a grad meeting, on um, Tuesday night. And I said, sure, I will. Um, this entire time I had no idea that Daniel was very, very, very nervous about evangelizing his faith. He's like, I didn't know at the time because I just walked in. I was so ignorant. I didn't know that it wasn't like this incredibly common thing to evangelize your faith kind of thing. This is the first time he had ever done that. It was the first person he'd ever spoken to about um, his church. Um, so he would slowly start to invite me to more events. He invited me to the um, to the young adults meeting, the grad meeting, he came and picked me up from work. He was incredible. Like I, I didn't have a, a car at the time. And so he would leave his, where he was, come and pick me up, which was, you know, kind of far and then bring me all the way back to church and then bring me back home. Or his sister would do the same. Like they just, they were always there for me to bring me. And so one night he was like, I don't think you're going to be really interested. Why don't we just like go hang out or something like that? I don't think you're going to be interested in the topic. And I was like, why not? He was so hesitant. He was just so afraid of being, of me rejecting what it is that they were going to talk about. Um, and I didn't ask him what the topic was, but I said, I like, I like hanging out with your friends. I like, like, Annie, let's go. So we ended up just going to dinner and then I'm like the, the meeting starting, the meeting started. He's like, ah, Egyptian timing. I'm like, what's Egyptian timing? <laughs> I have no idea. And I was like, the meeting started an hour ago. He's like, it probably hasn't started. I was like, I don't understand what's going on. We get there. We did end up missing the meeting. I think he po prolonged it purposefully because he was nervous to talk to me about whatever it was that we were going to talk about. And I see this guy's Chinese guy in the, in the church. And it's not a big deal to me. I'm thinking, yeah, like all churches are multicultural, right? I didn't realize that this particular one was actually um, rather special because it was considered like the first mission church in Toronto. I didn't, I had no idea. I didn't know any about that, anything about that. Um, and so this Chinese guy named Leonard and he was uh, doing a discussion. We got there at the end of the discussion. And then I went up and I introduced myself while well, he came up and introduced himself to me. And he was like, hi, sister, how are you? Shaking my hand. I'm like, hey, how are you? And he's like, did you catch the talk? And I said, no. Um, what was it about? And he said, it was about Matanya. I said, what's that? He started explaining to me. Um, it's about repentance and prostration and lowering your head down to the ground. And I was like, I do that. <laughs> I couldn't believe like, Daniel, you made me miss the talk. And I was like, are you serious? And I, so I had him tell me as much as he could, because I was like, that's something that I, and I, I wasn't really saying that's something that I do. I'm just like, this is, this is crazy. This is crazy. And so, um, Daniel saw how much I liked the young adults group. So he's like, would you like to come to church on Sunday? I was like, sure. It's like, I can take a day off of my own church and come to church with you guys on Sunday. Came and picked me up, went to church. Um, and then I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and I was so ignorant, so, so naive. I thought it was going to look exactly like church looked for me. And it didn't look anything like church looked for me. We we're sitting up, we we're standing down, we we're standing up, we we're standing down. And I'm looking around and I'm like, I, I can't, I'm not, am I even praying right now? I don't feel like I'm praying. What's going, it's just not the worship that I was used to. But then as I looked around, I saw two things. I saw the women, their heads were covered. And I instantly identified with that because of something I was doing. Um, and then I noticed that as, that what was on the screen were, it was, it was the words of God psalms and that they were sung you know into a tune they were said to a tune and i was like that's what i've been doing at home 
And so as foreign as all of it was to me, I couldn't deny those three things. The matanya, the women covering their heads, and the liturgy in that it was put to a tune and you're singing God's words in a tune as opposed to just saying them or reciting them. And because of that, when Daniel kind of reluctantly was like, would you like to come back? <laughs> Wondering like, how does she feel about this? And I was like, yeah, I definitely have to come back. And so I kept coming back um, on Sundays and I, I, I skipped church for it at my other church for a few Sundays. Finally, I was like, okay, I think I've been here for like two or three Sundays. I should go back to my other church. I go back to my other church and people are looking at me like, where have you been? And because, because I didn't grow up in a close family, um, I didn't have the concept of, even though I was like, you know, my goodness, like I was in my thirties, I didn't have the concept of accountability. I didn't have um, the understanding of that. If you're not there, people will miss you or that your presence matters. Cause I never felt that my presence mattered. I never thought that people cared if I was there or not. And I grew up by myself and you know, me and my family, me and my family, we didn't like tell each other that we missed each other or whatever. We just did what we wanted. We were always fighting. So whenever they were like, you've been gone for three weeks and, and you didn't tell us where you were. And I was like, what's the problem? Why didn't even anyone even notice? And they're like, we noticed, like you're a part of this church. So they were hurt by that. And I, I, I had to learn um, that you don't just act on your own and that it doesn't affect people. So um, when I told them I was going to church with us, another church with a friend and they asked me what church it was they were even more hurt because now it's it's you left us to go to this other place and what is it orthodox like like it was just it was the craziest concept in the world to them um i think even if it was they were still upset that i left period to go to a different church because they're like we're your family why are you leaving us and on top of that it wasn't even like a, a church that they could identify with and they were just looking at me like i was this, like i had two heads like i was the strangest person me and my in my i'm thinking to myself what we're all christians what, what's in the big deal you can go to a whole bunch of churches right and in and my naivety and they were looking at me like no um so to appease them because i really felt there was a strain there i'd made a mistake i kept tr coming back to my church more continuously on Sundays and told Daniel, I've got to, you know, take a break and, and fix what it is that I, I, the offenses that I made, um, at the Pentecostal church. And the more I went, I was not the same anymore. People were so hurt. They were so offended. Um, and they just weren't embracing me and loving me. And I couldn't understand because I didn't do it out of, to hurt them. I did it because I was, I thought I was doing what God wanted me to do. And I was following I, I, believed I, I believed I was following the spirit. It wasn't like I, I'm like sticking it to you kind of thing, but they took it as an offense. And they just, I kept coming back on Sundays and there was just, that embrace wasn't there anymore. Um, I remember the pastor's wife and she loved me and cared for me very much. I realized they were acting out of hurt. And so there's no resentment at all. I have no resentment. They were acting out of hurt. Um, but I remember she, I, I walked up to her and she gave me a dirty look and walked away. And I was like, you're the pastor's wife. Like, like I didn't do this to hurt you, but I'm sorry. And I'm trying to make it better. I don't understand. And at the time I was taking a couple of girls from my work to church with me because I, you know, we had uh, like reintroduced them back into Christianity. And so they were going on their own and I had gone to the, 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 
the Orthodox Church. And so, and they're like, you know, you were discipling people and then you just left. And I was like, I, I swear, I didn't even think about it. Like I truly, like I'm really new at this. I'm sorry. Okay. I made a mistake. I'm back now. But it was like, I couldn't fix that mistake. Um, and it was dev devastating because to me, I was like, I'll just go to both churches. They're both my family. And one side was like, no, not acceptable. It was almost unforgivable. Um, when I'd go back to the Orthodox church and I wasn't there for like a month, I had such a completely different greeting. And I believe God allowed this to happen because his, he was trying to get me, direct me in particular. Um, because otherwise the, like, the behavior just didn't make sense. Um, but I would go back to the uh, Orthodox church and, and everyone would be like, Hey, we missed you. Where have you been? <laughs> it was like arms spread wide open and like hugs. And instead of getting angry and resentful that I hadn't been there, it was like, welcome back home kind of thing. I just felt so much love, um, in one place and so much condemnation in the other. Finally, I was like, something's going on here. I sat down with my pastor, um, at the, at the Pentecostal church. And, um, I said, I just need to explain myself and that I wasn't, it wasn't my intention to leave. I just, you know, like it, I, I met a friend and he introduced me and I, I just, I, 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 my intention is to go to both. I'm sorry. He's like, you can't be divided. You can't be divided. Um, you know, a, a seed can't keep constantly be like put into soil over here and then take out and put soil over there. Where are you going to spring up roots? He's like, you, you, um, and I was like, but you guys are both Christian. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, um, yeah, but what if they teach you something different? And I'm like, but you're both Christian. I don't understand. So theology was not, I didn't understand theology at this point in time. I didn't understand that there were different theologies at this point. And it's not like what he was saying wasn't the truth, Yanni, because there were different teachings. Um, but he was so angry with me so angry and I felt so much guilt I left his office in tears and I was like I can't come here anymore I'm trying my hardest to make it right and it's like there's no forgiveness I don't understand it's because I wouldn't just renounce this one Coptic church and and it, it, I, to me I was like I, I'm sorry but I, I, I felt love and acceptance from both and because of that, there's no forgiveness. Then I went to go sit down with Abuna Pashoy. And I said, I feel like I have to choose Abuna. And he was like, the door is open. You're always welcome to come here. I'm not forcing you to choose anything at all. He said, this is your home. Um, you're always welcome. And and um, and I'm all, always with you. And, and I will always pray for you. You can always come to me for anything. Um, no matter where you go. No matter what you do. And the difference in response, I couldn't help but gravitate towards where I was just being loved unconditionally. I was just being loved, not judged, but loved. And, um, at that point in time, I made my decision and I stayed with the, the Orthodox church.